Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And with me today, as always, is Ramin Forgani, the producer and moderator of the podcast. Ramin, how are you doing, sir? I am doing well, Kyle. How are you doing today? I am I am doing quite well. Well, today is your day. We initiate you into manhood as a freshman at the University of Georgia. This is going to be a Ramin Forgani special podcast. You were out in the field this past, what was it, Sunday, right? Sunday, Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Ramin was out there. Going to town, going to work in Austell, Georgia at the CTBC, what's that stand for? Created to be a champion. Is that correct, Ramin? It is, indeed. Tory Bates' camp, created to be a champion. Elite camp. And Ramin Forgani was there. And uh, you were you were mingling with the people. You were taking notes and doing your due diligence. And myself and everybody else across the state would like to know, what did you see, Ramin? You got to lay it on us. You are the girls' basketball mind this episode. And we are very interested to hear your delivery and what you saw last Sunday. Quite the build-up, Kyle. If you give me any more, I don't know if I'll be able to match it, but I was indeed in Austell, Georgia, a few short feet away from Six Flags. You can kind of see the whole park from where we were in the epicenter at Austell, Georgia, and a nice little gym there in the community use kind of facility. Uh, Coach Tory Bates and his staff put on a two-day camp, the first of which ran on Saturday. And that looked to have more drill work. The Sunday that I got for, I got there right at the end of morning drill work slash warm-ups. And I got there right in time for the start of four-on-four matchups. And then they broke for lunch. And they had five-on-five matchups from about uh, 10 to 2 p.m., we'll call it. And so if you don't mind, Kyle, we're going to jump right into the four-on-four standouts. Actually, I do have one more thing to say. I, uh... You know, or two more things to say, actually. First of all, I was trying to tweet. uh, I know how important Twitter is in the basketball media community, and I was trying to get a few tweets out there. I know I probably got two, I believe, on the Sandy Spiel account before the Wi-Fi crapped out on me. And so, as you know, uh, you know, from personal experience, Kyle, the Internet in gyms is not very good. Yes, very devastating. It's tough. When you go into places, usually I don't even have Wi-Fi. I'm just, just hoping and praying. LTE signal in there, and you know I'm a Verizon guy, and it usually does me pretty well. But it is somewhat of a, a a helpless feeling when you go to events. If it's a game, if it's a showcase, you of course you want to get as much information out there as possible for uh, players, coaches, everybody. Just to you know have a, a constant update of what's going on out there. But uh, that always stinks when you don't have. Uh, the service to be able to do that and that's something that you know you can't you can't really control it's just how the building's constructed and if you don't have a wi-fi password you just gotta grin and bear it and go old school and take your notes and that's why we have the spielin and dealing podcast if we we're not able to tweet it out in 140 characters which i believe is going to be bounced up to 280 which may be a good thing may be a bad thing we'll find out soon enough but uh we, we we figured uh, just writing about this, we could do that, but I know you wanted to be able to expand upon everything uh, verbally in an audio format, and that's why we have the Spielman and Dylan podcast, and that is why we are here today. 
Indeed, yeah, to finish up that first point, I walked out of the epicenter with a lot of unsent tweets as drafts on my phone. I was a bit frustrated and I was texting you back and forth talking about, ah, there's no internet here. But also, second, I just want to make the point, there were a lot of good players there. We have the book of athletes here from this elite camp and obviously a lot of players there that are seeing offers, college coaches were there scouting out their players and I'm just a human. Four on four, they were playing half court, so there were two games going on at once. There were five minute games. And so, you know, I try to do my best. I try to seek out the best talent that I see there. But obviously, it is my opinion. And, you know, if me and you, Kyle, are at the same place, we may see different things. We're looking for different things. I know I always or I often have disagreements as to certain aspects. Just individual people look for individual things. And so I try to be as fair and objective, catch everything as possible. But sometimes things do slip through the cracks. But yeah, the main thing. The main thing there. Let me. I don't want to cut you off, but the main thing there is the most important part is you were out there. You were trying your best. Uh, you're trying your best to help give any you know little bit of extra exposure and extra props to any of these athletes that were there in the showcase setting, doing their best they can to uh, to impress those in attendance and others that are going to hear about their performances. So the main thing was you were there, you were working, you were doing the best you can, and that's uh, something that's very important for any type of media. As long as you're out there and you're doing your honest to God, your, your best effort, that's the main thing, and that's all we can ask for. Thank you, Colin. Without further ado, we'll jump right into it. These are some standouts I saw in four-on-four basketball. And I guess an interesting thing here in this CTBAC camp was that the four-on-four selections, I thought, demonstrated and showcased individual players better than the five-on-five games. After the first five-on-five game I saw, which we'll get to a bit later, I felt as if the rest of the five-on-five games were really sloppy, to be honest with you, and the four-on-fours provided me a much better opportunity to look at individual players and see how they work. Without further ado, the first player uh, from four-on-fours I liked was... Devin Wilson, a senior from Norcross. Devin, she, uh, in that game, seemed to have... Moved really well with the ball for a big. That's one of the things I'm surprised of. She was really taking it from outside. She was working her way from outside to in, ball handling as a big, which was somewhat surprising. Good rebounder. And, you know, despite her size, she has the size to play that big 4-5 post position. She really boxed out well, which is something I found really impressive in that first game. Yeah, she's a player that should have a really uh, a good season and a very important season. Norcross, of course, they had a, a great trip to the state championship last year. Fell in a heartbreaking, very close fashion to McEachern, who has had such a reign over the uh, the classification over years past. But uh, she's going to have a chance to really play a lot of minutes and be counted on a little bit more as a scorer. We know she can rebound the ball. She 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 collected six rebounds a game last year. She did average 7.1 points per game, so she was in that top four, top five scoring options. But she's going to have to play a big role because you see uh, a backcourt that is going to be a lot different than it was last year. Taylor Mason, she graduated. She's at Miami now. Vanessa Blogman, who is her leading scorer, uh, she's over there at South Florida uh, you take a look at Tia Lyons, who was supposed to come back this year, uh, 
but she tore her ACL, so she's going to miss her entire senior season. So that, that that was a big three. Those are your three leading scorers last year, and they're all out of the picture, and that's going to leave way for a player like Devin Wilson to really uh, do some damage inside and out. So look for her to have a, a very important senior season if Norcross wants to have another chance at a state title to play for a state title. Uh, Devin Wilson have to have a really good year. Another pretty interesting matchup I saw in these four-on-four games was two class of 2020 point guards, Olivia Knight from Mississippi taking on Tatiana Lewis from Southwest Atlanta Christian. You know, both of these point guards in that first game, they had a good matchup individually. Um, and we'll talk about the Georgia girl first, Tatiana Lewis. She she was a nifty scorer, was able to get to the rim well, um, had some good cuts, had some good looks in a later game in 4-on-4. Four four. She did have some problems finishing at the rim and really getting that ball to go in. But it looks like the form was there, the vision, and the cuts were there. And she is a bit of a young player, does have time to develop. But that matchup was really one I liked. They were both kind of defending hard and playing hard against each other in that first 4-on-4. Four four. And she is just going to be a sophomore this year. She led Southwest Atlanta Christian in scoring at 10.2 points per game. Uh, Saka, who won the state title in 2014, then lost a heartbreaker, uh, you know, year after that. They they have been a team that has had very good talent, but they've always had trouble getting girls out there. And they've been they they used to be able to win state championships or play for state championships, but really only like six girls and they'd have like a, a cheerleader on the bench that would never play. So it's always been a real struggle over there to maintain that program. And once that pipeline uh, like finally went dry these past, what, year, maybe two years now, where they didn't have top-notch, you know, superstar girls like that, it, it's been hard. But they've, they've been a, a young team this past year. They won just those nine games, went nine and 18. But a player like Lewis, who led the team in scoring, if they can keep all those girls back and somehow be able to find some more girls to to suit up and play for them, they can they can quickly rise back up to being one of the the better teams in the state. Now we know Class A private is pretty much lock, stock, and barrel. That's been dominated by St. Francis, and now you got Wesleyan in there. You got Holy Innocence in there. So that's that's not the type of classification that you're gonna you're just gonna you know just out of nowhere bounce in and all of a sudden you're gonna be playing for a state championship if you only have those you know five six seven girls anymore so it's gonna be a bit of a process but uh with a young class like that and with a Lewis there uh being one of those young scorers uh it, it could get better but it's just gonna take some time since it's a difficult classification to win in and they just have such limited participation the other sophomore I mentioned at the beginning of that matchup, Olivia Knight from Pearl High School, Mississippi. We'll mention her later in the five-on-five, uh, the five-on-five games later in the podcast. But we will now talk about Carly Jones, a sophomore from Westwood Schools in the GISA. Uh, Carly, she was really impressive as a big. She had really good post moves and great size, and she was not afraid to use her body. She used her body well, but she was in control, was able to drive effectively and power through in the rim. Um, she had good defense sometimes, you know, and I think this was a recurring theme throughout the night. The ball didn't really fall through the hoop when it wanted it to. It looked like some easy finishes, easy points that didn't go up, although no one was really counting points, so I don't know how relevant that is. And again, in that third game, I guess I saw of her, 
good rebounding. And another thing that really stood out is for a big, for a post player, she exhibited good passing. She was able to pass the ball effectively, really created three or four opportunities for her teammates um, as a post player down in the post, just finding, cutting teammates and getting them the ball. A valuable, good all-around player I saw in Carly Jones. So she's going to be a junior. She's a, she's a Jesus special. Ramin, you found a Jesus special over here. You know, I've been uh, – I haven't been critical of the Jisa, I wouldn't say. It's just the Jisa, it's hard to really find information on them, and then you never really know how they necessarily stack up with the GHSA. But Westwood, I think from the, the research I did, I think they were 26-2. and two. It looks like they lost in the uh, in the title game, so they were the GSA Class Two A runner up out of Camilla, Georgia. So they're they're down down. I think that's near near in that Albany type area down in South uh, what is that Southwest Georgia? I want to say or parts of that nature. Hopefully, I'm not too far off with that. I'm not a geography major, but hopefully they're they're around that area. I, of course, I haven't seen her play. I know you've seen her play. It looks like she averaged close to 12 points and 10 rebounds a game last year. She was an all-state performer in her, her GISA basketball. I, I actually was watching a little bit of her film before we, we started recording today. And, yeah, she looks like she's she could be a powerful a powerful presence inside, especially in that division. I'm sure she's you know a lot more skilled and has that size. To, to go with it so she could probably overwhelm a lot of her competition and that's good to hear that you said she's a good passer and she she has some basketball iq that that goes a really long way the one thing i did see from her when i watched uh a little bit of highlight tapes it looked like she always tried to use her right hand on the left hand side as a post player she's going to have to work on getting a little more confidence or just using it more often with consistency in her left hand on that left-handed side. She could probably get away with it a little bit there. Playing against girls, she's probably taller than and probably you know a lot better than. But once she gets to that, that college level where they start playing some stiffer competition, you might run into another girl that's 5'10", 5'11", and can block some shots. So that's when you're really going to want to use your left hand on that left-hand side, use that right arm, that, that right shoulder to shield the defender, and uh, – even gives you a chance for an and one if they have to go through your body, go through that off arm to try and block your shot. So that's that's the one takeaway I saw. Uh, if she could work on her left hand, I think that would behoove her a lot. But I trust you. It sounds like she knows what she's doing down there. She's only going to be a junior. It sounds like she's going to be in store for another really big season, another big two years, and a couple more opportunities to play for a state championship in the GSA. Sounds like you know a thing or two about playing in the post, Kyle. You have a soft spot in your heart for them or something? Yes, Ramin. That's the position I played, and it's a dying breed across across all levels of basketball. It's all slam dunks and three-pointers. Back in my day, we played below the rims with fundamental and uh, footwork, but uh, it's tough to see. So that that's something that I kind of do like about the girls' game because you're not going to be able to throw alley-oops. It's, it's going to be fundamentals and footwork and if it's a if it's a a guy or a girl 
any post player with good footwork that knows what they're doing with their back to the basket, that really gets me excited. And it's, it's really a joy to watch someone that uh, has taken the time to master their craft around the rim. And uh, it's a thankless job when you're bumping bodies. Some people might think it's it's a lot easier because you're closer to the basket. But, boy, that's where elbows are thrown. That's where you get those scratches. You get some cuts. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart, but uh, it's always exciting. And it warms my heart to hear a true post player still playing in high school basketball. We'll move on to the next player. The next girl I saw was Jaden Rice, a senior out of Campbell High School. And I also have notes written down from two of the four-on-four games, which, by the way, were five minutes in length on Jaden. Um, and one thing that really jumped out was she played really aggressive defense. She was getting right up fundamentally low to the ground, low center of gravity, getting her feet ready to move trailing her man especially she was covering the point guard in that uh, third game I saw and really getting right up on the point guard aggressive defense which is not something you see in a showcase camp not something you really see in four on four or even five on five for that matter but she was playing man up good defense she had good vision on the court and again she just played hard that's one thing I emphasized in my notes I've underlined she played hard she had some opportunities at the rim and again recurring theme she couldn't finish all the time but she played hard and played good aggressive defense yeah, that's always a big thing, I mean, if, if you play hard as a coach, as a fan, as a whatever, as even a teammate, you can respect that if someone's going 100% every single time, you know you can you can count on them to run through a brick wall. Of course, you're you're going to make mistakes. You're not you're not perfect, but if you play hard every single time, that can make up for so many mistakes, so many uh, little advantages that a, a, another player might have. They might be a little quicker or might be a little taller. But if you play hard and you have heart, that goes such a long way, and that's something that college programs really like because you cannot teach heart. Lauren Van Arnsdale, another senior at a Hillgrove High School. I was able to catch her in a few games. Uh, wing player, I think we said she was a forward, right, Kyle? Uh, yeah, she's. Uh, I think she's a little guard. I think she could probably play a couple positions because I know – Going to Hillgrove, uh, she's going to have a, a lot of opportunities to move all around the floor, a little bit of positionless basketball. But it sounds like from what I, I've heard about her, uh, she 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 likes to handle the ball. But I wouldn't be surprised if you saw her in a setting like that where she was uh, used in different settings, like uh, you know ball handling wing, something like that. Because uh, for especially if this is four on four basketball, you know it's a, it's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, I saw her a lot, and uh, a lot of what I saw and what I was impressed by is her spot up shooting. I saw her through two games, and I believe she made three twos throughout those two games. And so you know when each player is not getting a lot of touches in a little you know two five minute games, her shot looked really good from the wing. She was able to catch and release. And what I think was more impressive was her off-the-ball movement. She was able to see her spots, get to the spots on the wings, on the courts, and really be ready, create that separation from a defender, run a baseline to catch and shoot. Yeah, and she's she's at Hillgrove now, so she just transferred in. She just transferred in from uh, Whitfield Academy with her twin, I guess it's, I don't know, twin sister. She's a little younger than her. So there's a, a Lauren and a Logan. Logan's going to be a sophomore. Lauren's going to be a senior. So they might not be twins, but still two sisters that are coming over from Whitfield Academy. I know they had good years at Whitfield Academy. And they're going to a Hillgrove program that um, 
had a lot of success back when I was in high school. Now they they haven't necessarily tailed off, but they're not playing for state championships and taking deep runs like they used to back in the day. But it's still a team that's always been known for having a lot of good guard play, uh, a team that really gets in you defensively and has some athleticism and some speed. So I think Van Arsdale, that should be a pretty good fit over there at Hillgrove in a region where they're going to be they're going to be going up against the likes of, uh, who is it? I think McEachern's in that region. That's, that's always going to be a, a tough task right there. But if you have good guard play, you can hang around with any team. Uh, our second last player on this four-on-four standouts, Gracie Brunel, a junior from Lanier County High School. I think she said she she's the coach's daughter over there at Lanier County. And one thing that really stood out, why I have her written down and why she ended up getting tweeted, uh, may have been a little recency bias in my mind as I made the tweet after all the four-on-four games. But she was, for her size, I'd assume she plays a guard from her size, and she's the leading scorer over there. But she played really good on the baseline in the four-on-four game. She was able to cut, catch, and deliver to the basket, attack the rim from the baseline. And she ran baseline nearly all of that last four-on-four game I saw. Really impressive for a player of her size. Yeah, so it looked like she plays for her uh i'm assuming it's her dad i don't want to be wrong and maybe it's her uncle but uh, i'll always just assume it's a dad and if i'm wrong i'm wrong but coach robert brunel over there and they're over there in uh class a public so a, a school a team you might not have ever heard of in region two and that's that's traditionally or at least it has been in the uh the the very uh near past it's been a good region last year it was Telfair County who played for a state championship they ended up getting beat pretty good by Pelham who was the team team the beat all year long that was a foregone conclusion and Lanier County actually got to see Pelham in the first round of the state tournament actually well second round for them they they did beat Mitchell County in the in the first round to advance to see Pelham in that second round and of course Pelham dropped the hammer by 50 points what are you going to do uh, but she's a player that averaged 14 points per game, was the leading scorer as a sophomore going into her junior year. It sounds like, from what you were saying, her work in the baseline sounds like she knows how to find open spots in the defense. Probably a coach's daughter, if we're going with uh, Rob Brunel being her father. So she, it sounds like she knows how to play the game, and she might not be the biggest player but she has the goods to, to score. And like I was saying, that's a, that's a tough region. Telfair County, Turner County, who I think is uh, very good. I think they have a chance to be really good next year. They had a very good uh, freshman point guard that is a big-time player. So they're going to see some teams. They're going to have opportunities. Just looking at the schedule, what Lanier County did last year, they were 15-14, and 11-5 and 5 in the region. So they're very respectable. Uh, they lost at Telford County by just 10 points, 52-42. They lost at Turner County, 50-39, to so just 11 points right there. Uh, they played a Wayne County team that is a, a pretty formidable opponent. In the higher classifications, they lost by just 12, 49-37. So it's a team that's... You know, pretty pretty competitive for their 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 lower classification. They actually beat Turner County 59-47. It looks like later in the year, so that that's a pretty good win. And this is a team you might want to keep an eye on heading towards this upcoming season with a, their leading score coming back. It looks like checking out the box score. Brunel she had 16 points in a win 
against Turner County. So that's that's pretty good playing some of the better competition in that classification. So with her going into her junior season and you know getting better, getting stronger, all that stuff, it looks like Lanier County has a chance to be a, a pretty pretty solid team and another team that can make the uh, state playoffs because it looks like they have a lot of that talent coming back this year. The last player that stood out to be in four on four is uh, you probably can be hearing her name a lot on the podcast. And if you're not, it's something that we're doing wrong over here. We would be remiss not to Lillian Kennedy, a senior from Mountain View. A uh, pretty good height, pretty good size on her. I don't know if you have the stats handy to you, Kyle, but she was probably up near five nine, five ten. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I know that uh, was our correspondent Bree Singleton who has been very busy working at West Georgia now. Uh, I know she really liked her when she was out covering stuff for us in the the spring and summer months. Lillian Kennedy was a name that really popped up many times reading her writing. If you want to go look up Lillian Kennedy on sandyspiel.com, she has a couple nice little articles mentioning her game and what she liked about her. So she's a very popular player from the Sandy Spiel staff. Yeah, and I guess we're going to continue that trend here. I thought she was the best player of the day um, overall and on 4-on-4s four and 5-on-5s. Five and really what impressed me in the 4-on-4s four was the coaches out there, uh, Coach Bates and the staff there, moving her around. They had her play at the point inside of the post, you know, as the wing, and she was really able to do all of that with grace. First thing that stood out to me was her defense. She just blocked and packed a few shots into outer space. And I think what's probably more impressive than that, she did it without fouling. Clean block, clean defender, was really able to protect the paint well. And, of course, she was also playing at point guard, so you get that duality. Not only is she a great defender, a clean defender who doesn't have to push or foul or throw elbows, but she's also able to move her feet effectively and fast enough to defend both your larger post players and a nifty person on the wing. So I think an all-around valuable defender to have on a team can kind of guard positions one through five probably. And what I really liked her the most was when they had her at the point guard position. She was a great facilitator, a good ball handler, solid with the skills, but her vision of the court and her basketball IQ was off the charts. She made opportunities for other players. She saw cuts. She saw screens, she saw picks, and she made opportunities, made good passes. And I think that's the hallmark of a great point guard. So we know she can score, she can get to the rim, she can defend, but she at the point guard is actually where I liked her the most, where she was really able to facilitate. And we we, we saw what happened. She had a great, a, uh, a very great showing, according to you, and tell what happened it sounds like she got she got a little bit of uh love from some of the colleges that were in attendance or heard about her play it sounds like she picked up a scholarship offer i believe so yes uh i saw it on twitter today she picked up a scholarship offer from alabama a&m following the showcase see that's that's why you play well at showcases and that's why you just go out and play as much basketball as you can of course you got to rest here and there in spots you don't want to burn yourself out but you never know who's watching and if you play hard every single time and you got some game you're going to have some opportunities to play at the next level indeed and before we go into this five on five section kyle i guess i'm going to jump back into the role of moderator right quick do you want to make any comment and none of this is kind of off the cuff we didn't plan this in our production meeting but do you want to make any comment as to the impact of these ncaa allegations and what impact they'll have on high schools in the recruiting process oh boy (laughs) these uh all this this shoe money and agents and players and all this it was pretty much the worst kept secret in basketball circles i mean everybody knew this stuff was going on it was just pretty much about time that 
somebody finally got caught for it. And, uh, I mean, to no surprise, if you look at some of the programs that got caught, it's it's programs that have – or you know, some of these head coaches that have had checkered pass. I mean, Rick Pitino was a pretty crooked guy with having his <laughs> – his own personal problems and then having an assistant get his players strippers or something like that. And now this trying to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to get these kids to go to the school. And you got to ask yourself, I mean, was it really worth it? Was Brian Bowen, is he really worth it? A kid that's going to be there for one year and then go, is it really worth to pay? I don't know how much money. A hundred thousand I've heard. Yeah. Is is it really worth it? A hundred thousand dollars for one year of that? Now I know there's there goes the kickbacks to Adidas or whoever's involved, but at the end of the day, is it is it really worth it? You're gonna put your head on the chopping block. This isn't LeBron James. This is a kid that I'm assuming was in the top ten. I've heard his name before, but I mean he I know for a fact he wasn't regarded as like the number one player in the nation. So is it really worth it to do that stuff? Now, is there going to be reformation that comes from this? I think this is just a tip of the iceberg. Hopefully with that tip line that the FBI opened up, hopefully more and more stuff starts pouring in. That would be great. I think that could be a, a, a long, long investigation, and the heads could just start being rolling now. Just start start the rolling now. Uh, it, it could be a very long process, and a lot more people can be – can be taken down. I know I've I've seen it here in this state. Uh, just some questionable, you know, going here. You just follow the shoe circuit. One kid goes to this school, and then he, which is sponsored by, you know, X brand shoe, and they go to a college that's sponsored by X brand uh, shoe again. So you're, you're just following that, and then they're playing on the AAU circuit on a, a shoe team which matches up with their high school and then their eventual college. So you just connect the dots and they go all the way. And they do that because they want those kids to be loyal to the brand. And then if they're they get to the NBA, they want them to sign a major shoe deal. And that's not a 100% uh, guaranteed plan that it's even going to go that way or that these kids are even going to pan out all the way. So it's just it's really slimy. Uh, I like to keep the amateurism. I want that to be separate from the professionals for those who say, oh, we need to be paying players. I don't agree with that because then you're going to put it on a pay scale. How are you going to do this? How are swimmers going to get paid the same as football players and and this and that? And then it gets a little yucky. And, uh, I mean, they they get enough free swag and they're getting a a great opportunity to uh, get a free education and they're getting their housing and all this good stuff, and the 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 what it was like where at like UConn or something like that where they were trying to say these kids were like starving every day. I don't buy into that. There's no way. I, I look at Kennesaw State. These kids have meal plans and everything. I'm pretty sure, and they have a great facility to go eat food. There's no way these college athletes how they're gonna get shoes and all these hoodies and all this gear and stuff but no we you're not you're not going to be able to eat food or anything like that so i think that part's pretty crazy but the the thing with amateurism i just don't want to see how it gets so slim we're going to start paying like middle school players to do this and do that just 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 let it be separate and uh hopefully this cleans some things up i think it's just the tip of the iceberg 
Well, I guess that's enough, and uh, we'll jump into five-on-five. Here we have a few players we mentioned on four-on-four. We'll just add a couple notes here and a couple new ones. Kyle, you may want to jump in. I'll start with the first player I have written down in my notes, Devin Wilson. In that first five-on-five game, which I thought was by far the best five-on-five game on the night, it featured, you know, team play resembled something somewhat of a organized basketball game. It had Lillian Kennedy in there. Um, but Devin Wilson, she again, we talked about her moving out from in. She doesn't play the traditional post in that she stands inside the paint. She moves from the three-point line and works her way in. And she she actually handled the ball up the court as kind of a point. She checked it in and took it up. Um, again, made some really great passes, recorded some assists. But at times, she has a tendency to force the ball, whether that's with a pass or whether that was a shot. I have it written down here. She took three or four three-point shots in. Uh, her three-point shot looks just about what a three-point shot of a bigs looks like. So at times tries to force things to do a bit too much with the ball. But overall, a good post I was impressed with. And that kind of my impression of the four-on-four games matched up with the five-on-five games. Again, Lillian Kennedy was also in that game. She was just strong in all aspects of the game from opening tip to the last whistle. I thought by far the best player she dominated any player she was on offensively or defensively, created opportunities for herself or her teammates on offense, marshaled the floor on defense. Great player. And a new one we haven't mentioned yet in that first game, we have Markima Lancaster, a junior from Johns Creek West on that first game. Uh, she was kind of in that three position, was kind of a wing, got involved occasionally, made a few cuts to the basket. She looked like a solid player. Um, it looked like she needed some help scoring. Or once she got the ball, she could score, but she needed some help getting some positions, needed some help uh, getting some opportunities created for her. But if she has a facilitator, a good point guard on the floor, looks like a solid scorer. Yeah, she's a she's a piece that was over there at Johns Creek. Like you mentioned, a team that really played exceptionally well out of that Region Seven, went eighteen and eight this year in Class Six A. Uh, ended up missing out on the state playoffs. Got beat by beat by Pope and kind of put a, a sour ending to a, a very very nice season with Kirk Call at the helm there. So I mean, she's going to have an opportunity. To, to see some some more opportunities to score the ball, uh, they lose uh, senior senior guard who was really big for them. Sydney Tankleg. Thank you. I was going to struggle getting that out of my mouth, so thank you for that. But yeah, so she was she was you know heart and soul of that team for the most part. But that's just going to open up some more opportunities for Lancaster. And I guess what it's her her sister. They're twins, not twins. One's one's going to be a senior. One's going to be a junior. Uh, those two should have an opportunity to 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 make some uh, make some plays for the Gladiators. Another player I saw, uh, Emily Sears, a junior out of Sequoia. Uh, Sears played on the wing mostly, and you know, for some weird reason, the wings did not get much love in the five-on-five, but from what I saw, was running the floor well, playing good defense again. Her and the wing on the opposing team kind of ignored, but she did get the ball once and uh, made a nice little mid-range jumper. Shot looked good, but offensively was finding the right spots, doing all the right things, and uh, even though she didn't get the ball much, Looked impressive. I know you have a little bit to say about her, Kyle. Yeah, I've seen many Sequoia games over these years. That's where I graduated from. Uh, they've since I graduated. They coach Derek Dewitt. He has really just turned this program into light speed. Just really have taken off. 
uh, almost was playing for a state championship, uh, I believe it was two years ago than this past year. Alyssa Cagle, who's going to be a senior this year, she tears her ACL and things kind of go down, go down the tube. Still finished about 19 and 10 and made a state playoff appearance. But Emily Sears, she's going to have to play very big this year. She's a junior. Sequoia has always in the past, uh, starting this past year, they didn't have it. But before that, the past, I feel like four or five years, they always had a Hartman sister inside that was, you know, lanky as everything. About six foot, would block, six one, six two, would block shots, would rebounds, would pretty much just shut down the paint and would be able to score inside. Now, Sequoia doesn't have that that great size that they've had in years past. And Emily Sears, she's about 5'9", maybe 5'10", a forward. But she's the type of player that it looks like she can do a, a little bit of everything. And she's she's going to she's gonna give you some scoring. She averaged 8.3 points. Uh, she was her best rebounder last year at 5.5 rebounds a game. She's going to have all the onus on her, though, to, to, to rebound at a high clip. She's going to have to defend the paint well when she's down there. Because, but besides her, there's not there's not a lot of elite size back there right now that I know of uh, over in Hickory Flat. So if Sequoia wants a shot to really take another deep run into the state tournament, which they have they have the firepower to do so, I think they have a very good backcourt full of seniors. I think with Cagle on the men, she's going to be healthy this year. She's been working really hard to be healthy by. As as soon as the season starts, I think Sequoia is going to be a team that could be a force to to make some noise again because that team has just been playing with each other for so long. They know each other like the back of their hand. Sydney Roseant transferred in late last year. Uh, she was at Mount Perrin and had a very good season there, scoring the ball. And she came in and I think with a, a full off season under her belt playing with Sequoia, I think that could really. Uh, boost their chemistry and give her a chance to pick and choose her spots without forcing anything like that so i think sears is going to be crucial because we know score is going to have a good backcourt they're going to be able to score the ball in that backcourt but the the post play and controlling the glass uh, sears is going to have to really rebound and give coach dewitt something inside at that five nine five ten size as a forward We'll jump through some of the other ones quickly. Again, we saw Olivia Knight out there. Cumulatively on the day, a pretty good point guard in that first game. She was fast, good handling the ball. Sometimes she didn't make the best decisions at the point guard. Tried to force some unforced turnovers, some bad passes. Um, But on the night, she did shoot two threes in that fifth game I saw. Pretty impressive as a point guard overall on the day. Also, we did see Quadija Moore, a junior from Emerald City, South Carolina, also a big, um, did a really nice job in that second game, kind of set the tone in an otherwise sloppy game, was somewhat of a bright spot in that game. Had a nice spin move into a basket where she switched hands, went with her non-dominant hand up. She handles the ball nice enough for a big. She did also take a couple threes, which left me scratching my head there on the sideline, but had a good enough looking shot for a big um overall 
decent play, and it looks like we have pretty good post play overall from the tournament as I'm sitting here looking through the notes. Lots of bigs. Um, another player I want to touch on, Tamia Francis, a senior from South Gannett, who in that second game handled the ball pretty well. She runs the fast break. Uh, had a few nice finishes at the rim. Looks like a pretty solid player for South Gannett, Kyle. Yeah, and I I didn't know about this. You, you mentioned her, and you said she was South Gannett, and I was just doing it. Some quick research, and it looks like she's a transfer. She played at Providence Christian Academy last year in Lilburn, and now she's going over to South Gwinnett. Now, I don't know if she's going to repeat these numbers, and she's going to be seeing a, a lot better competition in 7A as compared to 1A private. But last year, she she was a player, according to her stat line. She's, what, about 5'10", 5'11". Sounds like she's got some some athleticism, maybe some length to her. She averaged over 14 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, just a clip under 4 assists a game, 3 steals a game, 3.4 blocks per game. So she's a player that she can she can play. She can fill up the, the stat sheet. That's something very important, especially in girls' basketball. You, you Often you'll see, oh, this person's just a ball handler. This person's just a three-point shooter. If you've got a girl that can do – uh, a multitude of things like someone you would know like a shannon titus type that was at northview um who you graduated with she's at mercer she was an athletic freak uh, athletic freak and she would fill up the stat sheet and that's just so valuable but uh, she's joined the south Gwinnett team that went 17 and 8 last year had a very nice season in that region 8 uh region 8 in class 7a uh, they lost to mckeechern in the first round 68 to 35 but um, she seems like a, a piece that could really help out at South Gwinnett, and South Gwinnett might be able to make a push. Uh, it, they're going to have their hands full with Newton and uh, Archer still in that that same region. But uh, South Gwinnett, it seems like they're going to they're going to be able to find a way into the postseason with Francis there and a couple players coming back from last year's Comet team. The last couple players I wanted to touch on: Mia Goolsby, uh, a senior from South Carolina. She was undersized, plays the shooting guard position, was able to weave through the defense, made some nice runs to the basket, uh, played hard throughout, and had some pretty nifty finishes. She was a bit undersized, but all around a solid player. And then, uh, again, my last note was Carly Jones, who we touched on earlier in the four-on-four in that, I believe, fifth or sixth game of five-on-five, where it got shortened from 15 to, I believe, five minutes. Um, she was really important inside in an otherwise sloppy game, helped protect the paint a bit, and scored a little bit from the inside, helped her guards uh, get inside the lane. Ramin, that sounds like you just covered a lot of girls. Is that is that everybody? I mean, I feel like you, you, just, you just ran through a bunch of uh, talented players and really gave us uh, your version of the spiel on what you saw. Is there anything else, or is that pretty much it? Because that's pretty good. I think that pretty much covers it for today, Kyle. That's uh, that's impressive work, Ramin. Uh, it sounds like it was a very good event. I, I hated that I couldn't make it. Of course, I got called into work going in at like 4 a.m. and not getting off till 2 p.m. or something like that, one of those days. But uh, it sounds like it was a beneficial event. There were some good players. We found a transfer. I always love finding transfers. Uh, that that makes it even more well worth it. But that's a good opportunity to see some of these girls outside of the you know players from Norcross and big programs like that. I mean, how often are you going to see someone from 
Westwood. How often are you going to see someone from Lanier County? Uh, you're just probably not going to see uh, those those smaller schools like that, and especially in a setting like that where you get to watch them play against other players that are from the GHSA who you might have a little bit more knowledge of. That's a nice measuring stick for them. So, Armin, I want to thank you for being able to go out there and cover the event. Some very good news and notes. And uh, with your uh, exceptional job today, I might give you the week off next week. So we'll play it by ear, but very good stuff. And I thank you, sir, for joining the podcast and spilling and dealing with us today. No problem. Thank you, Kyle. And uh, I guess we'll be back with you next week. For now, signing off, Kyle Sandy for me and Pagani. 